You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Yes, tune in right now. We Ooh. having a party. We, ah, we I got mean, dis- we got the disco lights. And we like, got yes. disco lights. I feel like I need to get up and do a Soul Train line. <laughs> Hey, 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 y'all. This is your girl, Carla Renata, a.k.a. The Curvy Critic. You have joined us at Black Hollywood Live for episode 101 of The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata. And my guest host, Miss Angelique Jackson, is back. I am so thrilled to be back. Congratulations again on 100 shows. That is amazing. Can you believe it? It's I so can't cool. believe it. I'm just like, what have happened? <laughs> the time went so freaking fast. It really did. How was your Oscar? Let's just talk about this. How was your Oscars week? Because, girl, I saw your post. You were everywhere. I had such a busy Oscars week, and I'm so... And you broke out the ponytail for oh, me yes. today, too. Yes, we, yes. we are living our best, <laughs> you know, <laughs> diva life. Um, oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, it'll be here for one more week. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was awesome, because at the end of the day, um, the Oscars ended up with a glorious surprise with Parasite cleaning up, basically. Um, after, you know, it had kind of been the same thing, same old, same old, except for at SAG Awards when they won. Um, it made it all feel really exciting and worth it that, you know, we got to see America discover um, Bong Joon-ho and discover Parasite and you even saw it at the box office this week. They they upped the theaters and they made, they had like a 200 plus percentage yep. um, box office jump, which is the highest ever. Which is funny um, to me amazing. because they were all up in the news tomorrow. Oh, it was the lowest rated Oscars ever. I feel like they be hating on women because this particular Oscar ceremony was produced by two women. One of them is uh, Stephanie Elaine Bray, who used to be an executive at Paramount Pictures. Yeah. excuse me, and is, you know, responsible for us knowing John Singleton. So I just feel like whenever women are at the helm of something, they always hate. Like they did that with Birds of Prey. They do it with um, Ghostbusters. They just hate whenever it's a bunch of women. I'm not having that. I really can't with the Birds of Prey part of it. But no, it's but the thing about the lower ratings, it's like, first of all, people are not watching TV the same way. Um, so it, it is not super surprising that the ratings went down again mm-hmm. because also there's no host. And I, I think that's going to be a real question going into next year while, like, yes, the show moved well and it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they do need to reconsider having a host. Maybe that will bring people back to it. Look, I don't know what's going to bring people back to watch. They're the not going to reconsider it because that's going to put a, a dent in their pocketbook. So there's that. <laughs> but, that's true. Money. <laughs> Money okay. is a big factor. Money is the root of all evil, honey. There's that, that big old pocketbook of theirs. And they're like, yeah, mm, no. No, maybe not. Maybe we're not going to do that. But we'll see. But I I totally agree with you. But um, my Oscars week was hella busy. I did mm-hmm. some stuff for... Uh, who did I? I did some stuff for... Um, I co-hosted the Emily's List yes. uh, brunch. I did some NAACP stuff. I felt like I was everywhere. I was sick of seeing myself. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? No, but, and that's the part. It's like it's really fun, but it is also very tiring. And actually, realistically, award season isn't technically over yet because we still have NAACP Image Awards. I know. Um, but that's up like this that's the last thing, though. And then, then we're that, done, done. Then we're done, done. And that's coming up next weekend. But we'll talk about that towards the end. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you and and introduce this man that I love, 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 love. So his name is Harry Lennon. A lot of people watching or listening might know Harry Lennox from The Five Heartbeats, which is like my favorite movie ever because I talk about it here <laughs> all the time. Talk about Robert Townsend 
all the time. But today I'm going to talk about Harry Lennox. Harry Lennox is on this show called The Blacklist or Blacklist on NBC. And I spoke with him. He's a classically trained actor. And I spoke with him about a new cinematic piece that he has called Henry IV Parts 1 and 2 that he shot a little while ago that has Heavy D in it. So oh, that wow. lets you know how long ago it was. Heavy D yeah. was in it because Heavy D is no longer with yeah. us. But I spoke to him about that. I spoke to him about Shakespeare. He talks about Dion Cole. He talks about Messiah. <laughs> he talks about Bad Boys for life you know it's a wide ranging it's a plethora of things that we discuss but um i'm gonna go ahead and play that interview and then we'll finish chatting when we come back as i'm watching i notice i see heavy d what did it take for you to wrangle him into doing the classics i always loved heavy d and one and we were in rehearsals for h4 my buddy avery o williams bought him by the rehearsal i seized the day i was like come on man you gotta be in this him as an actor it was I was really sad that we didn't get to see more from him because I thought he was really exceptional I, I agree so there's a famous line from this particular piece uneasy lies the head that wears the crown how do you think that that analogy is applicable especially for the American people today with our state of affairs and an impending civil war because you know today we vote on not we but our representatives vote on whether or not to impeach our president yes you know the great thing about Shakespeare is that it's always relevant. None of it really goes out of date. Whoever happens to be wearing a clown, or in this case, we wanted to make it look like the guy is kind of a quasi-religious leader, as well as a political leader. You look at the burdens of power, I think it's referred to as public service (laughs) for a reason. You're at the service, really, of not just your constituents, it seems, but of fate itself. I don't know anybody that is entirely sane or well-balanced that wants to be leading affairs of state. Who wants that job, really? So I think that it's uh, always true, not just uh, in the case of our present situation with Trump and so forth, and the impeachment, which seems to me uh, mostly political, and that's the price you pay. It's a political office, it's a political environment and world, and people, when they are doing that, when they are applying politics, when they are in politics, you know, we wanted to make a deliberate point, Carla, that stagecraft, statecraft, and age four are the same. If you look closely at the movie, you'll see that all of the stuff that takes place that deals with politics or kingdom or the kingship or royalty takes place on a stage in a theater. You know, like even when Hotspur and Cater, they're talking in a dressing room. But if you look at Henry, he's always on a stage. Whenever you have that position, whenever you're wearing the crown, I think that you, you are performing. That's not easy either. No, it really isn't. When I was made aware of H4, the first thing that came to mind was there was a movie that Oprah Winfrey did, The Women of Brewster Place. And in that in in that film, Leon and Robin Givens' character, they perform Shakespeare for the neighborhood to make it relevant for the kids of that generation. Because Shakespeare for people of color sometimes is a little daunting and especially for little kids. They're like, What what is he saying? What does that mean? So when I heard about this project that immediately came to my mind. So with Henry IV, we're doing this new fresh take for this generation, right? With it being set in L.A. Why L.A.? Why not New York or Chicago? There are very practical reasons for that. The idea, the actors, everybody, we were out there in L.A. All of us were 
LA actors, and I think a lot of times New York and other places get credit for Shakespeare and theater, but there's a great amount of theater that happens in Los Angeles, California, and California in general. Dude, you could literally make a living just doing plays up and down the 101. Like, <laughs> you, <want to. laughs> you know, you might not get rich, you can sort of make a living. That said, you know, we were out there, uh, we thought there was a natural parallel wood in England that sort of thing, it sort of lent itself easily to the tongue. I think also we really did is not change the play so much as the setting of the play. Those are Shakespeare's words. And we wanted, as you point out, to make it seem contemporary, to make it seem relatable. You know, the idea of Shakespeare's relevance and importance, I think, is, is again, just like the themes of burden, power, uneasy lies that had, and so forth. It's also true that those relationships between people remain the same. So we really didn't have to change the words. But we thought that, just like you mentioned Bruce's place and what Leon and Robert Givens were doing, um, for you, for people to be able to see themselves in the play, in the world, it only helps. These are important plays. They're beautifully written. They tell an interesting version of history in England. But why would that be important to the people of America, particularly people who are black and in schools and public schools reading these plays? Why would it be important unless they can see how it relates to them? And I think that all of those plays, we're going to continue to study them, should really could use a kind of uh, fresh coat of paint, so to speak, in terms of its production, not the words. Words are great. Stories are great. But I think that new approach is long overdue. And I'm proud that we were able to be the first on board, so to speak, in terms of taking an English history play, placing it in a contemporary, recognizable time and place, but also do honor to the words and the story. We didn't change any of the dramatic action. We didn't change many of the words, a pronoun or two here or there, place name here or there. Those are the words. And we think that uh, it's difficult to improve on Shakespeare. <laughs> I've never found it to be the case, Carl. I, I promise you, I've done a lot of this kind of work. But you know, a lot of people, and you know this is true, a lot of people, when they hear Shakespeare, they mentally just kind of tap out because they're like, yeah, I got I to think too hard to... <laughs> to watch this or understand this. So I'm really appreciative of the fact that you have taken, you have put yourself up on the mantle to reconfigure these classics and make them relevant for a whole new audience that wouldn't normally pay attention to it or be interested in it. So for that, thank you. What is your favorite classic? In terms of just affection for the play, I love Julius Caesar. It's always interesting. It's a really interesting play. It's so well written. The characters are so well drawn. The language is so be like those funeral oration speeches, the uh, friends, Romans, countrymen speech. You know, I can I can hear that a thousand times or read it a, a thousand times. So that's my favorite. And just as a fun, light question, because we've been talking about such heavy, deep subjects this morning at the crack in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> What, if anything, are you streaming right now? Well, I streamed a show on Netflix called Messiah, which is very interesting, uh, limited series. I don't know if it's coming back or not, but that's a very interesting uh, show. Do you watch anything that's just like straight up funny? You such a serious... Oh, yeah. Well, not, I don't know about funny, but I love, you know, I watch, uh, I watch sports. <laughs> I said, do you watch anything funny? You're like, yeah, I watch sports. <laughs> Yeah, that was 
was funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I just saw Bad Boys for Life. That was awesome. Very funny. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. I love interviewing you. I really do. Good talking to you again. All right. Take care. Have a great one. Okay, you too. You guys, I love the. <laughs> I asked Harry Lennox, "What? What do you? What? What do you watch that's just straight up funny?" He's like, "I watch sports." sports. Like I what? Like, I was like, "Really, Harry Lennox sports?" <laughs> he had to laugh at himself. But I just wanted to preface what before we begin uh, continue to talk. I just wanted to preface and say that I did this interview. It was the morning of the impeachment here, um, impeachment vote, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were talking about the impeachment and everything. And um, it took me a minute to get it up because it was war season and I just got behind. So, Mr. Lennox, I apologize, but it is up. I hope you enjoyed how I cut our little conversation together and I look forward to the day where you are here in person and we are not talking on a telephone because I think you are the bomb.com. You know this. I just, I love you to death. So, there's that. I love that. I love that. Um, For anybody that's just joining us in the chat room or whatever, um, this is the Curvy Critic with Carla Renata at Black Hollywood Live. If this is your first time joining us, please give me a big old thumbs up to let me know you were here on YouTube. Go over to Spotify, Apple Music, and anything else that streams podcasts. You will find me there. And thank you again for joining us. We always talk about news, reviews. I have people join me like Angelique <laughs> comes in. and she, that's, She's like my homegirl. Like, <laughs> like we here. We here. Um, Jasmine Simpkins was here last yes. week. She came and hang out with me. I love y'all were like, so you want me? So can I come, can I come and hang out with you at the show? I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's okay to do it by myself, but it's so much more fun when I have to somebody to talk to. I'm like, hey. And then, of course, in the chat room, I got to shout out my regulars. We got Brandon up in there, Cup of Soul Show, Katia, Jenna James is in the house. So welcome, y'all, and thank you for joining us. I appreciate you. Um, Brandon's like, he said he was surprised that hair, he was, it surprised him that um, Hair Love and Toy Story 1 because he loves both of those films. And he liked Claws too, which was also nominated. Yes. Yeah, I was over the moon about Hair Love. I, I, I mean, for me, that was one of the locks going in. Like, if that did not win, that would have been one of the biggest surprises of the night. I was going to feel some kind of way if it didn't yes, win. I really also. was. <laughs> I was going to feel some kind of way if it didn't win. Because I talked about it here all the time. And yes. I, I remember telling, I told Peter Ramsey, the producer who won the Oscar for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I told Matthew Cherry, who now is an Oscar winner for Hair Love, I'm like, I told Matthew early on last summer, I'm like, you know I'm your good luck charm, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 you're interviewing, if I'm interviewing you, you're going to mm-hmm. win the Oscar. So when they won, I was like, I'm just saying, I told you I was a good luck charm and you got an Oscar. I'm just saying. And then Peter Ramsey hit me back. He was like, yep, always trust the the Kirby critic. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Peter Ramsey, endorse a sister. Oh, I can't wait to see what you predict for 2021. Who's going to get that endorsement? Oh, we we shall have to sit back and see, shall we? (laughs) Yeah, don't Mm -hmm. give it up too early. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's only February. I know. So let's talk about what's in the theaters and what's coming. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. This was a film that I really thought was going to be going... You know, I'm not surprised that it didn't because of what happened with the female filmmakers. Yes. But this was a film that I really thought was going to get some love this award season. It's a beautiful um, LGBTQ love story between two women. It's a French love story. It's directed by Celine Shama. It's a neon pictures, and I'm hoping that... Um, 
what Neon did for some other films this year is going to do for A Portrait of a Lady on Fire because it seems to be having like a resurgence. So yeah, they did a limited release kind of to be eligible for a lot of the early awards Mm -hmm. and then they had their wide release here um, this weekend Mm -hmm. for February 14th. And what's great about Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that yes, it's been up and and has gotten some awards. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. not as much as I think we all thought it was going to receive. Absolutely. Um, But it still has the César Awards, the French Academy Awards so maybe at the end of the that. month. <laughs> I feel like they're going to do real well oh. up there. I, I mean, and it should, because it's a beautiful film. I think Neon also had Parasite this year, and I think a lot of what we learned about award season is that a lot of these companies only have so much budget, and they can really only put their marketing money behind one film or a couple Which of Which that makes me sad, because back in the day, like when Paramount was king in Hollywood, they had several films that would be up for Academy Awards, like The Sting, The Godfather. They would have they would have big blockbusters going at each other, and they equally put their weight behind it. So I find it so interesting now that they feel like, oh, we got to do this one or this one. It's almost like making a bet, because yeah. they don't really know which one is going to hit. Don't. And, and it's also because, of, <laughs> like, when you were talking about with Paramount, Paramount mm-hmm. has a lot more money than someone like Neon or A24, and a lot of the more, like, award season movies have tended to be these smaller studios versus our big, you know, our our big studios are focused on their blockbusters and they normally have like a couple, <laughs> right? you know, of other awards. Right. But yeah, they, they just don't have the money and it's really it makes kind me of unfortunate. So sad. It makes me so sad. So sad. So you guys, this movie, um, it stars these two women, Adele Hanel, no, Adele Hanel, yes, and Naomi Merlant. I'm really bad at pronunciations, okay. but okay. I think you're well, at least close. Well, I'm at least close. So forgive me if I have butchered y'all's names. That is not my intent. But what I will not butcher is talking about your fantabulous performances. Yes. It was, I have never seen a story done so eloquently and done so beautifully involving a love story between two women. It was, it wasn't raunchy. It wasn't. It was just, it was gorgeously shot, gorgeously directed. I just, I can't say enough about it. It's so romantic. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't really expecting that. I had no idea what the film was going to be. I knew it had won the Queer Palm at at Cannes. And, you know, I kept hearing all these raves. And everyone was just like, you know, so obsessed with this movie. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, of course it is subtitled. It is in French. And that also kind of adds to the beauty of it. Like, everything about it, this 18th century, the the beautiful fabrics (laughs) and their clothes and yeah. Just the way they're, you know, I don't know. It's just a very romantic film. It is. And, and right on yeah. time for Valentine's Day, actually, really. exactly. It was right on time for that. Um, so that's Portrait of a Lady on Fire in theaters right now, produced by Neon and directed by Celine Shama. So this film, I know you haven't had a chance to see it yet, Emma. I'm so jealous of her, guys. <clears throat> <laughs> Emma is a Focus Features joint. You know, Focus Features um, is my is my home. Um, and it's another adaptation of the 1800s Jane Austen um, joint, which actually, now you may or may not know this, Emma actually is the impetus and the inspiration behind the film Clueless. Yes. With um, <laughs> Lisa Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. Yes. So, you know, and Stacey Dash. And that was a huge, huge, huge hit. But the impetus for that film was an adaptation of Emma. And Emma is just like this meddling. Like, she means her friends well, but she just, like, <laughs> throws her friends under the bus in 1800 style. And it is pure comedy at best. And it is 
pure, unadulterated joy, as is its leading lady, Anna Taylor Joy. And shout out to Anna Taylor Joy because when I tweeted that about her on Twitter, she retweeted it and liked it. So thank you, Miss Anna, because you were the bomb.com in that movie. She really is so incredible. I mean, when you think about, like, I I think the first time that I really was like, oh my gosh, she's insane, was in Split. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's so good in those movies, in in Glass and Split and, and joining that whole, like, trilogy and those eyes. Her eyes. Her face is just, she's beautiful. Like, she is just, she looks like a little porcelain doll come to life. She's gorgeous. But aside from her beauty, that girl got some acting chops. Mm-hmm. She acts her behind off. And she is crushing it in Emma. So, y'all, Emma is coming to, no, Emma's in theaters right now. It's in theaters right now. Oh, another one for Valentine's Day. And you can also watch the Gwyneth Paltrow version. <laughs> yeah, you can watch the Gwyneth Paltrow There's like, look, there's three other versions of it. So you can watch every other version that so there is. So just watch them all. Like, really have, you like, can, a full Austin you can have, weekend. You can have an Emma yeah. uh, movie weekend. And then you can go after <laughs> watching all the Emmas and then go watch Clueless. <laughs> yes, exactly. You've got to, you, if you're going to watch it, you got to really watch it in all its form. Yeah, and then you got to watch Clueless because it's just pure comedy. How they've taken this period piece and turned it into something contemporary. So that's in theaters right now. And it's directed by Autumn Wilde and it's adapted by Eleanor Catton and I just love that this is a film directed by women, adapted by women, starring women and it just can't get any better than that. You know, I'm always talking about either, you know, somebody that's Latin, Asian, black, or some women over here at the Kirby Critics. So I mean, that. somebody's got to, and we are happy to do it because it's important. It is important. It's important to, to bring those voices up and, and lift them up. So the next one is, okay, so I talked about this before, how Disney, how the mouse ate the, ate the, ate the fox. Oh. The mouse ate the fox. and Dang, they, that's good. The mouse ate the fox, and they have rebranded 20th Century Fox and Fox Searchlight Pictures into Searchlight Pictures and Fox Studios. Uh, 20th Century Studios. 20th Century yes, Studios, yes. my bad. 20th Century Studios and Searchlight Pictures. So that's what they are now. Yes. So under the new umbrella of Searchlight Pictures, we now have a film that's out called The Call of the Wild. And it stars Harrison Ford and Omar Sy. Or C. C, I'm a, C. Okay, yeah. Omar C, who's a brother, and I was very excited because I interviewed him, and he was lovely. But y'all will get so lovely. y'all will get that next week. Oh my god, is, I can't wait to see your interview. It's, it's pure comedy because I, you know me, I have no sense. So, <laughs> so I said some stuff that is just so wrong, and he was like, "She's crazy," but I, I love. But her. I'm just gonna roll with it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's about this dog. It centers around this dog, and you know. Y'all, I'm always a sucker for for movies that involve dogs and babies, talking dogs and babies. But this dog doesn't talk with his mouth, but he talks with his eyes. Yes, and I have a dog at home that does that, so it was very emotional trying to watch this movie. Look, I boohoo buckets. I boohoo because you know I lost my dog nearly a year ago, and my dog was very much like Buck. The dogs and the dog's name in the movie is Buck, and Buck is one of these dogs that just non-verbally communicates what he wants you to know. And if you speak Buck, <laughs> then you're good. Then you're good to go. <clears throat> but Harrison Ford is starring in the movie, but the movie really is about Buck. It's not about Harrison Ford's character. Harrison Ford is almost like a supporting character yeah. in this, so to yeah. speak. But the journey that this dog goes on to discover who he really is at heart as a dog, it's a beautifully crafted story, and I enjoyed it very much. I really did. So you and I saw The Art of Racing the Rain near each other yes. as well, and yes. we also like Boo-hoo. met up in the hallway and we're like, 
a oh, mess. My whole face is so, falling right, off. The otter racing in the rain and this, just <laughs> the buckets. But something really cool about the Call of the Wild, too, is that to create Buck and to make Buck really um, emote and be so interesting, they actually used um, a motion capture artist named Harry Notary, who has done like Planet of the Apes and a lot of those films. And he was actually acting opposite Harrison Ford. So he's in his motion capture suit, you know, crouched like a dog, sitting next to Harrison. And they uh, both talked a lot about how that really helped inform that relationship. So it wasn't just so much, you know, he's acting against a tennis ball, like you see a lot of times when, you know, people are in these special <laughs> effects mm-hmm. movies. And I think it really did. It really brought something special to this, you know, big, lovely dog and he, the way that he, you know, kind of emotes and the way that he communicates and I don't know for someone who's you know 77 like Harrison is I'm sure it's a lot nicer to get to do that and like really have a real performance kind of like theater than it is to do you know totally CGI all the time and the other thing about this movie um, um, bringing up Harrison Ford is the fact that this is the first time in a really long time we've seen Harrison Ford not be a romantic lead Mm -hmm. not look his handsome scruffy he's scruffy but not in a handsome scruffy way I don't know what you were watching (laughs) because And see, and see, okay, whatever, Angeli. And see, but to see him be vulnerable yes. in a different aging kind of way. We haven't seen him in a role where he is embracing the. He's seventy seven, I believe. Yeah. So it's it's really nice to see him in a role where he's embracing his age and he's not trying to be something younger or totally. hold on to to his past glory. Like he ain't trying to hold on to Indiana Jones or you know yeah. Han Solo. He's just embracing where he is. And I love Harrison Ford as an actor. He's just. He's 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 a legend, and yeah. he's one of the OGs. And you know, I don't care what he's in; I'm just gonna go see it, and I'm Same. gonna rave about it whether it sucked or not. So, <laughs> but this that. one did not suck. It really did not. When I I walked out of it, and I, I talked to a number of journalists who also saw it at the same time, and we were all just we like, were all crying. Oh, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, we were all crying. So, you guys, it's gonna be released on two twenty one February twenty first. Again, it's Searchlight Pictures, and it's directed by Chris. Sanders. So there's this other film that was like at Sundance. Everybody was talking about it. It was called Premature. And mm. everybody, did you see Premature? Did you see Premature? No, I didn't see Premature. Me. But what I, I saw it recently because um, I have an interview coming up with the director, Rashad Ernesto Green. And yes. this film is a coming, it's a really beautiful African American coming of age story that is like a cross between. Um, the girl on the IRT and like Love Jones. Yeah. Like it's it's got very similar scenes to Love Jones. It's a beautiful story. And it it centers around this girl and it's co written by the girl who plays the lead Zora. Mm-hmm. And it centers on relationships, on the the complexity mm-hmm. of relationships between a black man and a black woman at their youngest, purest form. Right? Mm -hmm. So this dude is messing around with this other girl, and he's trying to have this thing over here with this chick, and and then she thinks she might be pregnant. Like, it's a whole lot going on, and her girls are going in on her, and it's just, the way that it's told is hilariously funny. It has New York as the backdrop. Like, New York is like a secondary character. So you see them riding on the train and the shenanigans that happen on the subway. <laughs> you know, when you ride on the train in New York, in yep. Manhattan, it's, it takes place in Harlem, USA. So, which is funny because the Harlem, USA depicted in the film is not the Harlem, USA that exists right now because mm. it's very gentrified right now. But I just really enjoyed the film and I enjoyed the fact that this young brother wrote it 
and um, centered on these young lives in this coming of age moment where they're trying to figure out who they are, how they belong in the world, and how they belong to each other. Like, you know, if you're going to embrace your girls or if you're going to kick your girls to the curb for a man and vice versa. So it was interesting. And there's this one moment. It's, it's, it kind of reminds me. There was this one moment that kind of reminded me, like, that scene from Greece where they're doing oh, um, 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 Summer Lovin'. Yeah. Where it's the, the, the bunch of guys are over here and, and the, the bunch of girls over are over here. here. And it's very much that. You can see the influences of a lot of different filmmakers, like the, the film uh, filmmaking filmmaking the love making scene in the film is very reminiscent of the way spike lee shot in um she's gotta have it okay. you see all you see all of these um iconic black cinematic film legends you see hit their influences on rashad in the film and so that actually made me smile and made me happy to know that there's a whole new generation that is embracing Th- these different styles of filmmaking and finding a way to mush them together and make it their own. Yeah. So I I enjoyed that. I love. I can't wait to see that. And I love that New York is getting so much love, especially from Black filmmakers right now. Um, also at Sundance, we had the Forty Year Old Version. Mm-hmm. We have the Photograph mm-hmm. in theaters right now. There's so many. Love oh my god, movie. I love it so like, much. I can't even talk about that. <laughs> I know I you. Just, I know you already talked I'm about like, it. But I, I wasn't I just, here. I needed to bring it up. Oh girl, go ahead. Do go ahead. Go do your thing. Do your thing. I'm just saying. Lisa <laughs> and she had to put her head down. She's like, oh. It is so. It is so sexy. That movie. Is, Look, it's. Like, I know Lakeith got a got a girl, but that I was like, um, "Look, Lakeith, <laughs> <laughs> I'ma need you." And it's like it. It. I loved the the storytelling, the way that it bounces back and forth between this cross generational story. It's like the Notebook. Yeah, remember the Notebook? It's, it is a lot like the Notebook. You know what? I hadn't even made that connection. Until it's like right a now. black version of the Notebook, but in a sexy funny, current, modern way. Because yeah. The Notebook wrecked my nerves when it came sure out. And did. whenever it comes on TV, I'm like this watching Ryan Gosling. Every time. Every like, time. Oh. oh, is Lakeith having his Ryan Gosling moment? Oh, that is all I could look, want. Look. That is actually all I could want for him. That would be amazing. Look. Look, Michael B is like it's an FX dog. Yes, we know it's an FX dog, Michael B, but it's still a dog. It still made me really <laughs> emotional, and I, I mean, what was I gonna do? Not, I mean, look, just this, see the movie, y'all. Right, You'll this, get emotional too. Exactly. Call me after. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing about cinema. I love any type of film that when I walk out of it, I felt something. If I walk out of that theater and I'm like, ooh, that was two hours of a waste of my time, that's not necessarily a good thing. So FX dog or not, or special effects dog or not, I felt something when I walked up out of there and to the point where I had to take my mama to see it. It's just so cute. I can't stand it. But Had you read the book? Because I hadn't read no, because I hadn't read the book. Me either, and I know people got taught it in school, and I'm like, I'm like, what school did I go exactly. to? Exactly, <laughs> but I, most people I know hadn't read it, so I'm very curious to know if anybody has already read The Call of the Wild. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't know what was going to happen, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to make a difference whether people read the book or not because yeah. it just the way the story is told will put you put you right there, you know. And this is showing, and that's the other thing. That movie shows black people in a time mm-hmm. to, in a time in a time period where we don't usually see black people on like the dude who's running the sled is a black dude yes. and his girlfriend is Asian and I'm just like yeah yeah no that was, you know what I mean that really I really stood, love stood that out to me too I really love that okay so premature is in theaters now call I mean not now it's on the 21st call of the wild is on the 21st. Emma is in theaters now, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire is in theaters now. So I need for y'all to go check out 
all of that. And in Harry Lennox's film, H4, which stands for Henry IV, parts one and two, is streaming online right now via Voodoo, Google, any of those streaming services that stream films, you can find H4 there. Please support a brother. He does really good work. And his his take on the classics and reconfiguring them for a contemporary audience is everything. So I need y'all to check that out. So let's talk about a little news. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> oh, to the sound person. She ready to, to talk about some news. I'm ready to get in. So Josh got the, like this like cool, Ooh. like jazzy, kind of like, you know, hey, music whenever I do the news. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pure comedy and I'm there for all of it. So first thing is, No Time to Die is dying because it ain't going to it's not playing China because of the coronavirus. This is actually a really interesting thing that's going to be happening uh, for the foreseeable future with films and what that's going to do to films worldwide box office not being able to play in China um, and also not being able to market these films in China because the actors will not be going there. It's really going to be interesting when you see things also like Fast and Furious 9 come out. Yes, because that has a huge international audience. Massive international audience. So I'm I'm sure there's some stress. from a lot of these studios, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Like, they, they, there's it, nothing they, it, can, nothing they do. can do. So you just have to look at the box office numbers and remember that China's not going to be involved. So yeah. these numbers are going to be a lot smaller than they yeah. could have been. It was supposed to play in Beijing, and so that has been canceled. I also want to point out, you know, every week I always talk about somebody who um, may have lost their life, and I'm so sad to report this one. This one really breaks my heart. There was a movie that Disney produced a few years ago called The Queen of Katwe, and the young lady who played the younger version of the young lady who was played in the older version by Lupita Nyong'o, her name was Nikita Pearl Walagwa, um, and that movie was in 2016. She passed away with a brain tumor at the age of 15. That makes me so sad. So incredibly it's, sad. It's um, really horrible news. Yeah. She was initially diagnosed with the tumor in 2016, and her um, film family, which was Lupita Nyong'o, David Oyelowo, and some other people, they rallied around her to get her treatment in India. She made a recovery in 2017, but the tumor returned uh, last year and took her life this year. So I wanted to acknowledge her young but brief life because she made a splash here on earth while she was here. So rest in peace, my sister. Um, Ava DuVernay just went through a bidding war for her film, her Nipsey Russell documentary. No big deal. I know, right? (laughs) And so the the winner was what? Netflix. Shocker. (laughs) So in the least surprising news of the day, Netflix spent a lot of money on a movie. And honestly, quite honestly, I mean, congrats to them. It's I'm sure going to be a, a great success. Netflix was a great home for when they see us, yes. and they really promoted the heck out of that. Yeah, so why series. would she not go there? She, exactly. I mean, you know, she trusts them. Exactly. She trusts them. They they've done her right. So you know, I I would have been like, yeah, uh, sorry y'all, but Netflix gonna gonna take this one. And then last but not least, so Porgy and Bess is going to be adapted for the big screen. George Gershwin's Porgy and Bess is gonna be adapted for the big screen by D. Rees, my girl. I love me some D. Reese, baby. <laughs> D. Reese is the person behind Pariah. Mudbound. She's behind Mudbound. I cannot wait to see what she's gonna do yeah. with Poor Game Best. Now, you know, snobby musical theater fans have already gone on social media and let it be known that they're not happy about it. But 
I say give. No, we sister, don't care. <laughs> I say give a sister a chance because you know she's really good. She's a she's another female filmmaker that is an African American woman that is a wonderful storyteller. And if you have not seen Pariah or Mudbound, please. Make your way to a Netflix or whatever streaming service you got to get to to watch those two films by her because I'm telling you right now, the girl is no joke. Oh, she also did. She also wrote and directed the um, uh, Queen Latifah. Oh God, what was that? Uh, Ma Rainey. She oh, did the Ma yeah, Rainey yeah. Um, yeah. thing on Netflix with Queen Latifah. So I'm just saying, she didn't did Ma Rainey. She didn't did Mudbound, and she didn't did Pariah. Pariah got mad love for Kim Wayans. Um, the Ma Rainey thing. I think Queen Latifah even won an award for that, I, didn't she? I'm pretty she? sure she did, but I can't remember if it I think was she like won an a, Emmy or I think she won a Golden Globe or an Emmy for that. And then Mudbound, Mary J. Blige got an Oscar nomination. So I'm saying the girl know what she doing. So she don't hate on her sister. I'm just saying. And that is it for the Curvy Critic News. That went too fast. I know. It wasn't a lot of news this week. You know, because the Oscars, people was just like, look, I'm tired. <laughs> Yes, that actually is exactly what happened. <laughs> How <laughs> did you know? Folk <laughs> 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 like, look, I need a breather. I need to sit down. And next week ain't going to be no better because next week we got the um, American Black Film Festival Awards mm-hmm. coming up. And then right behind that, the very next day, is the NAACP Image Awards. So I'm like, okay. Y'all, we got a real busy week ahead. <laughs> but it's great because it's also Black History Month. It is And we Black are History celebrating. Month. We are celebrating our people. Yes. And, you know, as we know, February is the shortest month out of the whole calendar. <laughs> so yep. we got to, like, But get we got a leap year this year, so we have extra day. We One do day. have extra day. Yep, yep. But we got to get it in. <laughs> yeah, I heard that bell. You are so funny. We, <laughs> he went, ding. <laughs> we got to get it in. It's like that bell that, whenever Josh does that, it reminds me of that bell that they have on The View. Yes. When somebody makes a good point they go ding, ding. <laughs> makes me holla. <laughs> holla 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 i think that's it um so yeah next week we'll be talking about the american black film festival awards the um naacp image awards i'll have my interview with omar c from the call of the wild so that y'all can laugh and tee hee 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 about that <laughs> um the whistlers review and a review on burden i actually saw burden at the um Sundance Film Festival, not this year, but last. Oops, but last year. So I'm surprised it took it so long to get distributed. That's it was supposed to be distributed last year, and some some funky stuff went down. So hopefully, I'll get a chance to talk to somebody from there and find out what happened with that. But you know, yeah, because that's the thing about festival films, especially if they don't get purchased right away that may affect their distribution schedule or it may be a situation where they're like oh this year's really strong we need to put you in next year so that you have a better chance you know it's it's weird and i kind of always forget about that like we see these movies at these festivals and we're like oh it'll be out next week and then it's we not. assume that it is so i always tell the audience here that you know because so, they'll ask me in the chat room they're like so where can we see this and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, Brandon. Pixar's Onward will be out. I'll be talking about that, too. Sorry. I'm very Thank excited. You, Brandon. Have you seen that one already? I have not. Okay. I will see it this week. Same. You know, my audience, child, they will let me know. They're like, um, Diva, you forgot this movie. <laughs> I'm not mad at y'all. But um, you're right. I tell them all the time that a lot of these films get distribution right away, and some of them, it takes a minute, but I always try to let them know. I remember Michael B. was asking me a while ago, him and Marlon Wallace in the chat room were always asking me about this film 
with Apple TV that was supposed to come out, The Banker. The Banker oh, is yeah. finally going to come out. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for y'all to see that. I saw that, and it was fantabulous. So I'll let y'all know when the exact release date is for that. It's coming up in a couple of months. It's not anytime soon, but they are going to release it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when that finally hits theaters. Angelique, girl, the time flies when you come here. Um, I'm so thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, this you are, you so know great. you are always welcome here. Wow. Anytime. Anytime. Well, we have lots of movies to talk about for all of 2020, so I yes, will we do. definitely be coming back. Yes, girl, I'll be trying to get her up in here, y'all, at least once a month. I try to work it out where she's here <laughs> at least once a month. It don't always work. Well, thank y'all for having me, too. It's so much fun, you know, getting to interact with everybody in the chat room, too. They love you. Makes it see so Michael. We just Michael. We just asked me any news about Sam Jackson movie. I just said my. I just <laughs> said the banker is coming out. I'm gonna tell you. He's like he's like, okay. Great. <laughs> well, he also has another one, by the way, because we also finally got the trailer for. Um, oh gosh, what's it called? The the one with Chris Rock that is in the Saw universe. Oh, which it's gonna be very hard for me to watch that because I don't like any sort of scary movies. But I'm very curious about how this film is gonna go. Yeah, I don't like scary movies. There's lots of like really interesting things. I might have to check that out. This is Josh in the booth. The name of the movie is Spiral. Spiral. Thank you, you, Josh. Josh. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we had to get sing songy about it because we appreciate you. Um, (laughs) But yes, I'm really looking forward to like finding out more about this one because. yeah, it's it seems like it's such a departure for both of them. It seems really interesting. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll maybe I'll go with you because I'm like, mm. <laughs> but anyway, until the next time you join us, Angelique, where can they find you, my sister? So you can find me at Variety on Twitter and Instagram, and then my personal handle at Ange eight one four on Instagram and Angelique eight one four on Twitter. And yes, all of my interviews and all of that will be there. You can find and actually follow along um, as I'm on the red carpet on Saturday at the NAACP Image Awards. So you know, send me your questions and. Hopefully, I'll get to ask them to the stars. And to piggyback on that, I also will be at the NAACP <laughs> Image Awards on the carpet working for the NAACP. So I'll be there at that. I'm supposed to be working the carpet for the ABFF, the American Black Film Festival. So you might see me there at that. And as usual, y'all can always catch me here every Sunday doing the Curvy Critic with Carla Renata at Black Hollywood Live. Right after this, I will be over at After Buzz TV doing the after show for General Hospital with my boy Frank Moran. But until the next time. Thank you, Miss Angelique Jackson for joining me from Variety. And (laughs) y'all, I love y'all. Thank you for joining me once again. I will see you next week. And we got some awards to talk about and lots of movies to talk about then. So until the next time, love, peace, and hair grease. And I will see you on the flip side. (laughs) On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood Redefined. 